Welcome to another episode of Reverse Ambition, a podcast that features those who take a leap of faith to follow your dreams of passion. I am really excited to have today's guest. She's a dynamic entrepreneur, but she started out in the human resources department, oh, not department, um, human resource field. She worked for PepsiCo, General Mills, Starbucks, and just doing her thing in human resources. And in 2014, she decided to take a leap of faith uh, to join State Farm and start her own insurance agency. Today's guest is no other than Victoria Anderson. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you, Kelsey. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to to chat with you and your listeners today. I've uh, heard a lot about the podcast, so I hope I can uh, add some value to all the people out there listening and hoping to be inspired. Well, you know I've been a fan of yours forever. You know, just you being a go-getter. And like like I, like I said earlier, how you just took a leap of faith to uh, leave human resources and, and, you know, enter the entrepreneurial world. So I like to, so my guests could get to understand, you know, how you got to where you are. I'll, my first question is usually are, take me through your journey in terms of where you're from, where you went to college, what you majored in, and we'll go from there. Sounds good? Sure. Yeah, it sounds great. So I am a Midwestern girl, okay. <laughs> born and raised in Chicago. Oh, um, and Absolutely. And, uh, you know, come from a really large, loving, close-knit, hardworking family. And I think, you know, my journey really starts with a lot of the values that I was taught in childhood about, you know, having a high sense of accountability, doing the right thing, having a strong work ethic, all of that has really followed me throughout my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to school in the Midwest as well. So I, I got a master's degree from the University of Illinois, and I studied industrial psychology uh, at ISU, uh, all in the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Before, uh, and you know, for me, I think that was a, a critical moment in helping me to define you know, I have a lot of passion about people and you know, kind of the study of behavior, but I'm also very much a business person. And so I always look for that intersection of how can I use, you know, this passion for psychology and a field that would be very strategic and allow me to kind of put that to use in the business world as well. And so I actually kind of stumbled into industrial psychology and like immediately loved it mm-hmm. and and really really took a lot of actions to position myself to have these great opportunities in HR by, you know, getting some leadership experience before going to grad school, then going to one of, you know, the better programs from a graduate level. And, you know, from there, things just kind of took off um, in, you know, the corporate world, <laughs> right. if you will. How was the um, transition yeah. from, you know, college into the corporate world, like having an industrial psychology you know, major. How was that? How did you utilize that to transition into corporate America? Yeah, so I um, I went to a program. My master's program was, you know, was I believe it still is, kind of top three for HR and labor relations. And mm-hmm. so I was pretty fortunate that in going there, a lot of the big companies came there routinely to recruit. Okay. And so... Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I'm a bit of a 
um, a grinder, if you will. So I was really attracted to, I want to work for the company that I know I'm going to have these big juicy positions and I'll have a lot of responsibility and I'll really get to make a difference. And so at the time that I was graduating, Pepsi was at the top of the list. So okay. I was like, Pepsi or bust Wow. <laughs> for me. And yeah, you know, I just thought it would give me an opportunity to really do good work and mm-hmm. to do it for a brand that, you know, was really recognizable. So that transition for me was really, you know, getting that master's degree, which positioned me mm-hmm. to be attractive to Pepsi and then being willing to take some risk. It, mm-hmm. It's funny when they were offering me the job, they asked me to pick three places that I would want to live. And so I chose New York City, um, I chose Texas, and I chose Florida. And so they come back a week later and they're like, yeah, what do you think about California? Wow. <laughs> like, well, that wasn't on the list, but, you know, I've always been someone that um, is pretty flexible and mm-hmm. willing to take a chance if it's a good opportunity. So that led me out to California with Pepsi and, you know, the rest was kind of history from there. How was your, uh, Cal- how was transition into California? You know, basically your first job out of, you know, grad school, how was that transition, you know, new environment, you know, getting acclimated to, you know, the city and all that. How was that? Um, it was, I would say it was, it was tough. I mean, California is a beautiful place to transition, right? Like you, you can't get much better in terms of weather. And if you're a pretty outdoorsy person, there's so much to do. But personally, it was certainly tough in that, you know, I'm super close to my family. So that was the first time that I lived so far away from them. And it was really an opportunity for me to, quite frankly, branch out on my own a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, you know, my family's two hours away. It's their six hour plane ride away. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of really develop some relationships that are, literally from scratch. So I would say in some ways it was tough in other ways it really positioned me for what was to come, especially with being an entrepreneur, because, you know, it kind of forced me to be super resourceful around building relationships and, you know, making connections and, you know, just being willing to put myself out there in situations that were not initially comfortable for me, but, mm-hmm. you know, that it allowed me to demonstrate a little bit of courage to, to make myself more vulnerable. Okay. But I loved it. I mean, I fell in love with that. How was it working with uh, working Pepsi there? Was it everything you expected, you know, more or less? You know, how was your experience with, you know, working out there in Pepsi in human resources? It was awesome. I mean, Pepsi's intense. <laughs> so they are very much, you know, you're going to work 10 to 12 hour days. They have a very high expectation of your deliverables. But to some extent, that is what I wanted. So mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised by it. I'd done a lot of research on, you know, the company, on their expectations of, the, you know, people in leadership positions. So to some extent, I um, expected it, but certainly it's still an adjustment. I mean, I think it really groomed me well for having to think through, you know, the strategy about people, the strategy about business, and not really having someone hold your hand. They're okay. very much this is your project. We expect you to deliver. Let us know when you're, <laughs> right. when you have it done. And so that was perfect for being, you know, prepped to be an entrepreneur. Right. How long were you at Pepsi? Four years. Okay. Why did you leave? So, you know, I think you'll hear this theme throughout our conversation a lot today, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of being open uh, to the possibilities and, and it's really, a theme throughout, you know, my personal life, my professional life, 
you know, I was there at Pepsi, still very much enjoying what I was doing. And I got a call from a recruiter who had seen my, you know, resume on LinkedIn. And she's like, you know, I had this opportunity that I think would be amazing for you. And it's funny, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this. Sometimes life just takes you in directions you never could have imagined. Yeah. So I, you know, I would, you know, I mean, I would generally hang up on those calls. Like, uh-huh. no, 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 I'm happy, you know, call me in six months, right? But in this particular day, like, I think her energy, you know, the things that she started to share about the position just intrigued me a little bit. Okay. And I, I ended up, you know, taking the opportunity with General Mills. It was a really crazy opportunity and that they had gotten rid of their entire leadership team, got all new people in, and they were looking to completely change like the culture of that particular location and, you know, create new strategy. And so it was really like meaty HR work, the work that you kind of go to school to do. Right. So it felt like something that I couldn't pass up because of the experience that I would be able to gain from it. Wow. Um, how was that experience? Where was it in LA as well or California as well? It, it was it was right outside of LA okay. in Carson, California. So basically, you basically went into a situation you were building everything from scratch. It sound how was that experience? And you know, did you regret making that move, or was it something that was as rewarding as it sounded? That I didn't regret it a day. I mean, it's probably second to being an entrepreneur. It's probably some of the hardest work that I've done, but I think. And you can relate to this for those that are entrepreneurs, you know, there's a little bit of energy that comes from what's this problem in front of me and how do I solve it? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very much driven by, you know, problem solving strategy, kind of taking something that seems really complex and making sense of it. So it was really like perfect conditioning for like later positions that came. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was hard. I mean, we were in, you know, the leadership team was there, 10, 12, 13, 14 hours a day. And, but there was such a good culture around we're all committed to this Mm -hmm. vision and what we're trying to create um, that it didn't really feel like work. Right. How long were you there, General Mills? About two and a half years. Why so short? Well, life kind of happened again. Okay. (laughs) And I I ended up, uh, I was, uh, I got engaged to someone that lived on the East Coast, and so that required a move if that situation was to continue. And so I started to put some fillers out for opportunities in New York and landed at, at, at Starbucks. Okay. Okay. How um, how was that transition from L.A. to New York? You know, how was it in terms of, like, personally and professionally? How, you know, change of weather, change of time zone, was that? You know, something was it was a very exciting time for you. Yeah, it was it was exciting in that you know, kind of personally, I thought I was about to embark on you know this kind of big significant life change, right? So that's always a little bit intimidating, but you know, equally exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely tough too. I mean, New York. I'm sure you can relate. You know, I'm from Chicago. I lived in LA, and still I found New York to be one of the craziest cities to adjust to. I mean the the energy here, the people, it's constant. It literally never sleeps. So, you know, that was definitely like, wow, this is like, could not be more different. From right, right. Yeah, LA is like laid back. Everyone, I mean, you do work in like California, but it's more laid back, relaxed. New York is always intense. It's always something, everything is intense in New York. So that's a big adjustment, you know? 
it was a huge adjustment. But, you know, I think it's, it's funny. I think that, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in things happen, you know, for a reason and the experiences that we have throughout our life, hopefully if we pay attention to them mm-hmm. will help, you know, us in other areas that are to come. So while they were all, I think, somewhat tough adjustments, they definitely helped me to build, you know, a thick skin and to, you know, kind of go back to that theme of being resourceful, being unafraid to be the only one in, you know, the room that doesn't know anyone else in the room. Like it really prepared me well for, um, for starting my own business. Right. So you moved from LA to New York to work at Starbucks. How long were you at Starbucks and how was that experience? It, I was at Starbucks for about two years. Uh-huh. Um, and it, you know, I've been really fortunate in that I've worked for a number of great brands. You know, I think that Starbucks, their culture is hands down, you know, probably one of the best around. They care a lot about their employees. They care a lot about the brand. And so it was in some ways a continuation of, you know, some of the experiences that I'd had before, like being in a position where I had a lot of responsibility and I was expected to to kind of get results and to impact the culture in ways that are positive. So, you know, I would say it was, it was probably the period of time where it was a bit of a crossroads for me. So, you know, I mentioned that I moved here um, for personal reasons and that, you know, relationship didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And while I loved the opportunity at Starbucks, I also was starting to feel like, you know, okay, I've been in these amazing HR positions for a number of years, but I also feel a little bit like, you know, why am I not doing this for myself, right? Like I bring 100% every single day, you know, I get great results. How can I do this where I'm fully responsible, right? It's right. to finish for the direction of the business and what happens. And, you know, I just, you know, really hit a wall of, I love what I'm doing, but I want to be, I want to do this for me. I want to build a legacy and, you know, and a brand for myself. Wow. So that's what led you to like in 2014 to like quit and like I'm going into insurance. Why insurance? What kind of inspired you to like, that's what I wanted to do. That's where you will get that level of fulfillment that you were looking for. Yeah, I would say that was definitely the catalyst to put the thought. You know, I think oftentimes things start with what seems like a random thought, right? Like, mm-hmm. And yeah, like so, random, like, you know, why not? You know, let me let me get. Yeah, like why can't I do it? <laughs> right, you know, you got you know making money in Starbucks, living that life in New York. And you're like, okay, I, I want more. You know, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> Those of us that are crazy enough to become entrepreneurs. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's like you have to be somewhat crazy, right, to uh, to give up that level of comfort, that security. I'm sure uh, benefits and whatever perks that comes with working with a, an amazing company in Starbucks to say, you know, I'm I'm leaving to to do my own thing. How was that vibe? How was that experience? Was it was it, were you afraid? Were you excited? How did that came about? How did you make that transition? I was, I was equal parts terrified and excited. Um, you know, I definitely had, you know, it was, it was a calculated risk, but mm-hmm. certainly one that, you know, I was nervous to make. I mean, I had, you know, a great um, position at Starbucks. I was making really good money. And so you're kind of faced with, do I have the level of, confidence in myself and, you know, tenacity 
and belief that I can walk away from all of this and still make something great happen. So it was definitely intimidating. I mean, I can't say that I thought I'm going to end up in the insurance industry. It was the furthest thing from my mind, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But what I, what I did know is the type of work that I like to do. So I'd met some people that were um, insurance agents or that, you know, kind of worked in the industry and just listening to them about, you know, the impact they were able to have, you know, the legacy that they were able to build, quite frankly, the financial rewards associated with it just made me step back and say, wow, this seems like a great opportunity. Now, do I have skills that I think would be useful here and that would allow me to be successful here? So for me, it was less about the industry mm-hmm. and more about, well, what's the kind of work that I like to do? You know, I knew that I liked working with people. I knew that I liked leading teams. I knew that I liked um, solving problems and building strategy. I knew that I liked making money. Right. <laughs> I just kind of started dissecting, hey, what are my skills and can they be valuable in this industry? Mm-hmm. And no matter if it's HR or insurance, you know, do I have the level of energy and passion um, that would be a good fit for the business model that I'm looking to to start. Right. So, you know, thinking about making this transition into the insurance industry, start your own agency, did you get the level of support from your friends and family that 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 was needed in order for you? Did they give you any pushbacks? They're like, you're crazy, or did they, like, say, you got this? Did, did you get, what kind of reaction did you get from your friends and family? When you decided to do that, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I I'm lucky in that you know everyone was largely super supportive. I mean, you know, my family of course was a little bit concerned because you know I'm, I'm here in New York, they're not here, so it's not like they could they kind of jump into it with me and help me when things got tough. So there was a little bit of, are you sure this is what you want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, things are going so well where you are, and you know, my parents are not entrepreneurs, so I think there's a little bit of that natural um, concern about walking away from something that seems very stable to, you know, to start something from scratch. But that being said, they were certainly very supportive Mm -hmm. um, and they know that, you know, I I can be pretty persistent if I, you know, put my mind and my energy behind something. So I think they were confident that it would work out, but definitely a little bit nervous, you know, Mm -hmm. for me. Okay. Were you financially ready to make this leap? Did you have enough savings? Did you, plan for you know did you save up did you you know did you have enough starting out or you were like you know what I'm just going you know taking a sleep no matter you know matter where I am financially how was how was that situation you know when you took the leap financially yeah I I think the biggest thing that I had so I I would say did I have enough um I don't know that you can ever have too much (laughs) Uh you know I had a a little bit of a, a nest egg that um, was available for me in terms of capital. But I think mm-hmm. even more than that, I had um, I had really good credit, right? And so mm-hmm. having great great credit gives you borrowing power okay. where you're able to, you know, get additional capital at reasonable rates so that you're not in a position where, you know, you're kind of struggling to make things make ends meet. So I think, you know, I kind of position myself over the years, you know, to make really good financial decisions and to, you know, kind of have um, uh, very little debt and, a, you know, solid enough credit where when I, if I did need to borrow that I would have access 
to capital at a rate that was reasonable. So, you know, did I have enough? I'd say I had enough. You know, you can never have too much if you're starting right. your own business. But, you know, I think more than anything, I, I had a uh, had my I was pretty financially savvy about how to navigate some of these things along the way. Right. So you say you had, you know, great credit going in, you know, starting to be an entrepreneur. Do you still have that good credit? Because a lot of <laughs> entrepreneurs go in with good credit, but based off various things that didn't foresee or or like not enough planning, you know, their credit sometimes, a lot of times goes, you know, the down and so forth was did you still kind sure. of keep that up like you know how was that financial maneuvering you know being that you had to like lean on you know your credit a lot you know as an entrepreneur yeah i mean so the, the short answer is yes <laughs> I, <laughs> I do but i also i don't say that um to suggest that it was easy right so i think i'm a i'm a um a person of a lot of faith so you know, I think a lot of my success has been a tremendous amount of hard work and a commitment to my vision. I also feel very fortunate in that, you know, things have really, um, they have gone even better in some ways than I, I would have expected. So that's not to suggest it's been easy. I mean, it's it's a grind. You know this. It's a grind right. every single day. Like, you don't, if you're successful and you're still growing, you're definitely still putting in that energy. But I think... You know, I've been able to walk into it and make, so for example, when I was about to open the business, I downsized, you know, I got rid of um, my car initially, I moved into a smaller apartment, Um, I kind of eliminated any expense that wasn't going to contribute to helping the business grow. Mm -hmm. So what that did is it allowed me the first year to reinvest everything that I was making right back into the business. Mm -hmm. And so that really propelled me to grow at a very rapid rate. And so because I was, you know, earning commission and reinvesting it right back into the brand, we grew really, really quickly. And so when you have that level of growth, of course, that comes with additional capital and that allows you to, to continue to invest. And so it really, you know, I think the best thing that I did was, you know, almost live like a pauper that first year and put everything back into the business because after year one, you know, I was never in the red. Wow. I was able to be kind of in the green. Yeah, I was able to be in the green pretty much right away and to maintain that. But I think it took some sacrifices, certainly the first year or two, in terms of, you know, making really, um, you know, not taking as many vacations the first couple of years. You know, really just saying the business is a priority. And if I can lay that foundation, it'll pay off dividends in a, you know, in a really quick amount of time. Wow, you sound pretty disciplined. I mean, <laughs> this is amazing. So you basically started an office, I mean, your final office from scratch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, walk me through that process in terms of like finding a location, you know, find the right employees. Um, you said you was never in the rut. So, I mean, you got everything up and running you know, reasonably quick. You know, how, yeah. how, walk me through that in terms of how did you do it without being in the rut? I mean, besides, you know, reinvesting, you know, your, your funds back into the company, you know, walk me through that process. In terms yeah. Of- sure. So, like, from a location standpoint, so my business is located in, in Westchester County. So, I think the first thing that I decided, um, when you're licensed to sell insurance, right, you're licensed for the whole state. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm licensed to sell insurance in the state of New York and the state of New Jersey. Okay. And so for me, it was, do I, you know, do I want to put the business in, um, you know, in the Bronx where the cost of an, of a commercial space is double the cost of a commercial space in Westchester, mm. you know, so why not put it in Westchester? Right. So that'll save me 50% of the cost just to have a space that I can use on payroll. Mm-hmm. So just really being, you know, very strategic about, where the money was going. Obviously, if you're going to grow, your biggest expense is going to be marketing and your payroll. Mm -hmm. And so I was really passionate about, you know, for the first couple of years, if I have to have a smaller office than I do now, it's worth it because, you know, within two years, we can now grow it. If we're growing the business the right way, we'll have the ability to move into something bigger. So I, I was very particular about what's the priority. And the priority was branding us so that we could get more customers right. and having people that can meet those customer needs. So all of my decisions were made through that lens. And so, you know, I, I sacrificed on some things, you know, my first office, you know, I think it was about 450 square feet. And wow. I'm like, you know what, if I can get, yeah, it was tiny. It was right? very and tiny. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I signed a two year lease and I'm like, you know, I'm confident I'll, I'll grow this in two years. And, you know, the focus was, you know, being very modest so that, you know, the investment back into the business would allow us within a couple of years to, you know, really have a more grander space and, you know, have the, the, the money to continue to reinvest and continue to grow. So just making those decisions around what's the priority and be really clear on the priority. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone wants to grow it as quickly as I did. So, mm. and that's okay. But I knew that for me, it was, I want to go gangbusters. I want to grow really fast. I'm going to have to put money in marketing and advertising and the team in order to do that. And so every decision that I made was really through the lens of those two things being the priority. Right. So, you know, moving into, you know, an area that had cheaper, you know, commercial space, um, you know, not spending tens of thousands of dollars on the office right at the start, making it look, you know, beautiful and presentable, but being cost effective as I made those decisions so that, you know, the money could be there for the two priorities that were most important. Right. So after two years, were you able to move into a bigger space? I did. I moved into a space that, you know, three times the size. Um, three times. And I was able wow. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, we're able to double the size of the team and, you know, continue to put that energy into growing. That being said, it was still with its challenges, right? So I told you at the beginning of the podcast that, you know, I had a lot of experience in HR and I thought, well, wow, hiring people and training them will be the easiest part. And it's by far been the hardest part of what I did and still do, you know, every single day. So finding, you know, people that are really committed to the opportunity and that are going to bring that same energy that you do is probably the hardest thing that most of us do as entrepreneurs. Um, so it's, it's, it's still, it's, I think for me, it's balancing as well as it's gone. It's still challenging. And so you can't be afraid of the ebb and the flow that will inevitably happen. You know, you can have an amazing team one day and then three people could decide they're leaving within two weeks <laughs> and they could be your three rock stars. And so you're kind of, you know, scrambling to, find and train and hiring a recruit. And so I think for me, it's being comfortable with the idea that it's constantly going to change mm-hmm. and not being intimidated by that. 
And that right. was hard for me the first year. So that was very difficult because I'm like, hey, I should just get this thing in order and it should just keep plugging away, <laughs> you know, the way that I said it. And that's not how it really happens. Well, you know, a lot of a big thing I find myself as an entrepreneur is really trusting people to execute my vision and finding the right people to execute your vision. How did you go about, like you said, you had some issues with that. Um, how did you go about finding those individuals and what was like some specific challenges um, in doing so and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I think, you know, our, our industry in some ways is really unique because in order to um, be an insurance sales, you have to go through the licensing process. So it takes me from start to finish about 90 days just to get someone ready you know, to really train. Mm. <laughs> and so it's a very lengthy process. And right. so you know, I, I think it's having a lot of channels um, where I'm recruiting, you know, not relying on just one source. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also being a little unconventional in what the person's background looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of my most successful salespeople to date, um, she was a hostess at Morden's before she came to work for me. Wow. But I could tell she was, you know, exceptionally hungry. She mm-hmm. was really, really smart. Um, she was very coachable. And she very much, you know, had a passion for, you know, I want a career. And I want it to be something that, you know, will meet her personal objectives. And so I think it was kind of taking off that hat of there's a set model and really looking for, you know, a person's drive and ambition and values and leading with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has really allowed me to be a little more open-minded on the people that I brought, you know, onto the team. How but it's, a, it's definitely still a challenge every single day. Right. How, now, how in terms of trusting your team, how is that going in terms of, you know, being that you invest so much in them and you expect them to produce, how do you feel about that, you know, going through that rigorous process of finding, finding your team? How, how does, how is that, how do you feel about your team right now? Um, you know, like I said, so there, I have some rock stars on my team and then I have some people that, you know, I'm still coaching mm-hmm. every single day. I mean, you can relate to this. <laughs> yeah. You know, people are people, right. And so, in an ideal world, you'd have a team of 10 rock stars, but that's just not realistic. And that's, that's honestly one of the things that I had to, you know, get past too. Like you want to hire people that are like you, right. Mm -hmm. That are driven and that are passionate and take a lot of pride in what they do. And you do hire with that lens, but it doesn't always work out that way. And so you have to be, you know, comfortable saying very quickly, this is not the right opportunity for either of us, you Mm -hmm. know, because it's, it's your personal dollars when you're an entrepreneur. It's not it's no longer Pepsi's money or Starbucks's money. It's, you know, Victoria's money. And so you have to be very wise about how you spend it. So just getting really comfortable with knowing when something's not going to work out and, you know, in the right way, letting your, your team member know that and wishing them well, but cutting the cord right. and being, you know, comfortable with not holding on to situations for too long and, you know, being very much in the mindset of you got, you know, you're going to coach and you're going to develop, but if that person can't kind of meet you where you need them to be, you have to, you have to make that, um, that disconnect. So it's hard. I mean, that's still one of the hardest things that I do, you know, finding people that are prepared for this type of position. You know, Mm -hmm. I tend to hire a lot of millennials, 
and mm. they sometimes have a different mindset right. about work and how right. right, right. <laughs> so Trust me. That's often a challenge. <laughs> right. They have certain expectations that's unrealistic. They went, you know, sorry, millennials. This is like the overall uh, perception of you guys. They want everything handed to them. Was that experience? They do. Right, right. Yeah, my boys, you know, good friend of mine, somewhat of a mentor, he said, hire slow, fire fast. <laughs> Absolutely. In terms of, uh, you know, getting the quality people and so forth. So you seem like you're in a, you know, great space. He said you uh, grew three times, you know, the, the initial office space. Um, how long, since 2004, so that you only been in the business you know, five years. It'll be five years in September. Yeah. Wow. How do you feel about everything in terms of the sacrifices, your growth, you know, uh, where your business is heading, you know, your personnel um, in terms of how do you, are you still excited about, you know, everything that you're doing? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think it's, it, it remains exciting because it constantly changes. Mm. Right. So be it, you know, when you when you own a franchise, you know, to some extent, um, you make a ton of the decisions, but then there's also that broader vision, you know, for the franchises overall. So, you know, I'm constantly challenged by, you know, well, this is the direction that the company's taking. And so how do I make my part of that, right? Like my individual agency, you know, kind of match up with that, or I'm always challenged by, you know, the team and finding different ways to engage them. So, you know, what I love about it is no day is the same and it rarely gets boring. That right. being said, that can also be very challenging about it, right? So you really never have an opportunity to rest on your laurels too much, not if you're still passionate about growing. Right. You know, if I was at a point where I said, you know, I'm great with where we are and we're just going to maintain, it'd be a different level of stress. But because I have a pretty specific vision for you know, where I'd like to take it that requires me to still be, you know, very engaged and always looking for ways to make it better. You know, I put some thought to, do I consider opening a second one or do I just continue to put all of my energy into the one that I have now? So, you know, there are lots of different things that I think about in terms of how to keep it um, uh, exciting. But I can tell you just whenever you're working with people, there's going to be a mystery element. And that element, I think, keeps it pretty um interesting every single day right so you seem like you put a lot of hours what's your what's your average day um what time does your average day start you know so the the answer to that (laughs) (laughs) it depends on where you are in the cycle of things right so my first year it was you know i'm there at you know 7 30 and i leave when i'm done if it's you know 8 9 10 whatever the case may be Obviously, the more foundation you have and the stronger your team is, it does lend itself to a level of flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, right now my team's, you know, pretty self-sufficient. And while I'm still looking for new people, the people that I have now are pretty good at what they do. And so, you know, on an average day, I, I might be in the office four or five hours a day. Or if I'm traveling, you know, I may not be there at all. So, you know, the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that flexibility, um, that you have, but the caveat is you have to have great people, you know, working for you to allow that. Otherwise, you're you know you're there as much as you were in corporate America. Right. So, <laughs> so it, 
it it varies honestly depending on you know kind of what's happening at that time so you're not burnt out right now you were able to have like a you know well-rounded life you know personal life business life everything is in balance you think or no I would say it is right now. I, I do see that changing a little bit, um, right? So if I do consider opening another location, that's kind of starting something else from scratch. Mm-hmm. Or if I bring on, you know, two or three more people, that's, you know, training and coaching and developing them. So I'm still very hands-on in that way that I still do a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if I make changes, that'll lessen my flexibility a little bit. Um, which I'm, you know, considering doing before the year is out. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I know you can relate to this. It's about being willing to ebb and flow with what your business needs. Mm -hmm. You know, there are weeks where I have tremendous flexibility and there are weeks when, you know, if there's something urgent going on or the office requires me to be there, I'm there as much as that, you know, as I was the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to be, you know, malleable. Okay. So you seem like quality of life is good. Your business is good. What's your uh, ultimate big picture? What do you what do you want Victoria Anderson Agency to be in the next five years? You know, I want to so I'm pretty I'd say a couple of things. One, I've found this opportunity to be, you know, one of the hardest things I've done, but also one of the most rewarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I want to expose women and people of color um, mm-hmm. to this opportunity. I think, you know, historically insurance has not, has not been <laughs> a field where lots of women or people of colors are owners of agencies. And so, you know, I think I was fortunate to be exposed to and inspired by some people in the field. And I want to pay that forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to let people know it's not, as hard as you think and that yes, it's going to take work and you have to have the commitment and the effort, but you can create something that's pretty amazing and leave a legacy and build a real financial wealth for yourself and for your family. So I'd like to do, you know, more of that. I'd certainly like to continue growing, you know, my baby, my original office is my baby. And so, you know, I just not looking to rest on our laurels, but continuing year over year to see, how do we service our customers? How do we continue to add, you know, premium into our book? How do we continue to grow? So, you know, I'm still very hungry. Um, you know, I'm not at the point where I feel satisfied with where we are. So, you know, the next five years for me is how many people can I get um, to be excited about this and help them to have their own agencies as well as how can I continue to, you know, make mine flourish. Right. How do you think, you know, you're going to go about doing that, you know, in terms of exposing people of color and women into this field that clearly is very lucrative and rewarding? Well, I think it's about, you know, fishing in places where they are. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, a lot of people are very much intimidated by sales. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you can expose them to um, the benefits, when you can teach them you know, how to do it in a way that builds their confidence. And then people realize, oh, it's not as scary as they thought. You know, this is something that I can do with the right level of support and the right level of coaching and development. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, kind of opening their eyes to the fact that it's a realistic possibility Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. if you're willing to put in the work. And oftentimes people in those situations just don't have anyone telling them that, right? right. They don't have anyone showing them the rope. Right. They don't have anyone helping them to build their skills and their confidence. So, you know, I make it a priority to look for, you know, people of women or people of color and, you know, try to give them that opportunity that maybe other people would not. Right. So, you know, in terms of personal life, you know, you have a strong business, your personal life is going well as well in terms of, you know, be having time for family, loved ones, you know, is that strong as, as your business? Cause you know, sometimes you got to give and take, you know, <laughs> it is, you know, I, uh, I believe in, you know, this will sound very cliche, but I definitely believe in, you know, work hard, play hard. You can't do, you know, you can't be an entrepreneur and do everything that we do and put all of your heart and your passion into it without taking some time Mm -hmm. to do some things that help you to recharge. You know, I love to travel. Um, I love to, you know, go to the gym and burn off some energy. I go back to Chicago to see my family, you know, multiple times a year. So I definitely make it a priority to, to keep that balance so that mm-hmm. I have the energy that I need to give the business, you know, every single day. Awesome. All right. So we winding down, but before I let you go, any advice, you know, people who are listening to this in corporate America, the job that that's not fulfilling, uh, they want to do something with their lives, you know, or do something, um, any advice you would give those individuals in terms of, you know, taking a leap, you know, what would be the, number one advice you would give someone like, you know, like that? Wow, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I, you know, I would say narrowing it down to one is really hard, but I would say don't, don't let fear be the thing that, you know, prevents you from following, you know, your heart and, and, and really taking that leap to do something, something that may feel intimidating, you know, initially. You have to be calculated about it right and Mm -hmm. so you have to think through you know you definitely have to think through the pros and the cons and the long-term implications but I think you know with the right level of resourcefulness and you know kind of willingness to one thing that I would say I've never been shy about is I will learn from anyone you Mm -hmm. know I don't have to walk into the room and feel like I'm the you know, the smartest person in the room. I mean, I might be that, but I'm willing to be <laughs> humble enough to say swag. <laughs> Look at that swag. <laughs> this is that, this is the Victoria I know. This is the Victoria I know. It's all good. That's you know, dope. I'm, uh, I'm always going to be humble enough to learn from others, right? right? And that has served me. That has served me so well. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was starting, I met with you know. 10, 15 people at different points of their, you know, journey. Some had their agencies for six months and some for 16 years. And I was willing to sit down and, you know, soak it all up and kind of make it my own. So I'd say, don't feel like you have to have all the answers. Be Mm. willing to, you know, be humble, learn from other people, make good decisions, you know, financially, make sure you're prepared, Right. right? Like if I wasn't in a position where I could borrow, capital or if I could, if I wasn't in a position where I could reinvest a lot back into the business, it might have limited, you know, the speed of my growth. So I do think you have to think about the long-term implications, but I also feel like you have to be confident in yourself that you will figure it out. Wow. (laughs) Because you will. Well, listen, I, I saw when you first started and I'm 
so impressed and amazed in terms of where you are. And just listening to you, I, I know, I now know for sure why. You were pretty much, you know, like you said, that confident person. And you knew exactly what you wanted and you put in the work to get it. So I really thank you for sharing your journey with us. And uh, I don't know what else to say. I'm just so, like, amazed by your journey. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I mean, you're, you're absolutely one of the best as well. I've always been impressed with, you know, how creative you are, your ability to kind of make things happen, how you build relationships. You know, we've had a you know, relationship for some time and I certainly learned a lot from you as well. So thank you for you know, the mark that you made on me as I made that transition to New York. Awesome. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you. I didn't know that. I didn't know I had that much impact on you, girl. <laughs> you did damn it take a damn podcast to hear this <laughs> all right let me let me stop let me, let me end this before you know we get started getting out of pocket <laughs> thank you so much Kelsey I appreciate you thinking of me to, to be on the podcast today no worries I can't wait to share this with my audience thank you have a good one you too take care all right bye-bye Thank you all for tuning into Reverse Ambition Podcast. It is really a pleasure sharing these amazing journeys with you. It may take some time for you to find your purpose and realize your dreams or for your purpose and dreams to find you. When it happens, don't be afraid to pursue them. Be more afraid if you don't. Trust God, trust your journey, and most important, trust yourself and it will all work out. Until next time, I am Kelsey Cooper, The Social Broker. Thanks again for listening.